This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their You got wrong Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Open date is overtime. Wasn't even really an open date for some of us time. We, we still did some work in time. That's okay. We love our jobs time. Maybe more than Dan Mullen loves his job right now. Time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a on a beautiful, beautiful November 1st Monday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple of miles away from Neyland Stadium, which is not where the Tennessee football team will be this week. The, the Vols are headed up to the frozen blue tundra of Lexington, Kentucky, where it'll be in the mid to upper 20s as per usual with the Vols taking on uh, the, a suddenly reeling Kentucky team, a Kentucky team that had um, was on track for maybe a 10 or 11 win season and then uh, just whew, got the got the got the stick laid to it down there uh, in Cowbell town down in Starkville over the weekend. Lots to discuss about that game in this podcast. Certainly we're going to talk Vols cats. We're going to talk a little Tennessee football recruiting. We're going to talk some open date observation stuff. We're going to talk about some matchups in the in the Tennessee Kentucky game. You know, some definitely some recruiting stuff. So to do all of that, let's go down to uh, or go. I say down to. Let's go across town to that uh, clown car full of children, the home daycare center, and get the one, the only Ryan Callahan. Ryan, what is up? Not much, man. And and I I knew you would be above all else thrilled about going to Kentucky for another frigid early November night. Uh, because as you always say, um, nothing tells you it's time to go to Kentucky like freezing temperatures. It's every single game up there yeah, it's without for, fail. Yeah, it's for years. And, and Philip Fulmer, it, it was the joke that he went to the wheelhouse every year the first day. Because we, you know, back when Fulmer was the coach, we would see practice almost every day. And so, you know, he'd come out there out to the practice field and talk to us. And the first day of the year that he had to put on a sweatshirt because it was cold, he was like, oh, it feels like Kentucky week. And the first time he did it, like everyone laughed. So he felt like uh, that was like riding the wheelhouse. So every year he did that. Every single year you knew it was coming. The first day that Philip Fulmer felt like it was cold. He's like, oh, it must be Kentucky week. It's just an oldie and a goodie. It's also true. That is the coldest place uh, in recorded human history. I don't care what anyone says. You could go to the tip of Antarctica. Go to the South Pole, the North Pole, either pole you want to go to. Go to the middle of Greenland in winter. Go to, you know, Siberia. Those places are warmer than where Kroger Field is located. It's just, it's built, I swear, on an ancient iceberg that has never melted. It is the coldest place in the world. And yet, and, that, and Tennessee will be there and it'll be in the 20s this week. And so, of course, Ryan, I've always, you know, because my wife really could, you know, due dates in a, just a few weeks. And so maybe that baby comes a couple weeks early. I don't know if I can risk going up to Lexington this weekend. I just don't know if I can do it because, you know, what if the baby comes? Yeah, I would I would hate it for you to miss that. Um, <laughs> but it's something about the uh, I don't know if it's like the just looking at the metal bleachers all around or whatever. It's just something about that place just looks cold when you're there too. So I I would I would love to know one one of these days maybe what it's like to go up there for a September game when it's nice and warm. Just build a dome, build a damn dome. Uh, but it's so yeah, it's so bad every time we're there for basketball, football, whatever. Just always seems to manage to dip down into. In this case, unseasonably cool almost temperatures, but yeah, it's always cold. And then you got to get up, you know, you're going down I-75 to get back. You got to go over Jellico there and, you know, right there around Rarity Farms and all that. It's just so, so it's, you're just always like, I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall off the road. We're going to die, uh, you know, because interstates don't freeze open, freeze very uh, often. But uh, 
I've had some some hair raising moments on that trip. So uh, yeah, it's uh, what if that what, what if Hank comes into the world a couple weeks early? I just don't know. CBS, I'm sorry, I don't know if I can make that one with Patrick this weekend. So we will see. But you know what? Tennessee was off Ryan last weekend. Uh, did not mean or Tennessee football was, um, but Grant Ramey and I were certainly not off. We went to cover some Tennessee basketball on Saturday. You went to cover some Tennessee recruiting. So really only Pat got to kick uh, kick up and, and not do anything over the weekend. We had, we had stuff to do. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't get, I didn't get to go anywhere Friday, uh, feeling I, I, I picked a good week to get sick, I guess, but, uh, you know, uh, being in the clown car full of kids managed to, the Petri dish. managed to catch, yeah. yeah, managed to catch a stomach bug on, on Friday. So I didn't get to go to any games Friday, but, uh, did did get to to keep track of plenty of uh, plenty of recruiting travels at least by Tennessee's coaches, which we'll discuss later. And and yeah, we'll uh, we we all had something to do, I guess, during the the open date, except for for Patrick. So hopefully he got his rest in, so that uh, so the drive up to, to Lexington, all, all two hours and forty five minutes of it or whatever, uh, aren't too bad next weekend. Yeah, I went I went and got the uh, went and got the the COVID booster. And so for, for that game on Saturday, I was still feeling like – all, all three times I've gotten both shots, the Pfizer ones both times, and then the Pfizer booster too. And every time, like, I've not been sick, I've just felt so tired for, for a day or day and a half afterward. And I was just so tired for that game on Saturday, the basketball game. But, but you know, to, in fairness to Tennessee – those freshmen got my attention really quickly anyway. You know, they were like a they were like some espresso shots out there out, out there on the floor. They were you know, you you play a team like Lenore Ryan, Rick Barnes alma mater. And by the way, he was Dr. Rick Barnes on Saturday because uh because they they gave him Lenore Ryan his alma mater gave him an honorary doctorate somewhere along the way. So he was Dr. Rick Barnes. Uh you 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 play a game like that, you're supposed to beat the pants off of that team. It's a it's a Division 2 team it's even the best division two teams, a team like Tennessee should roll right over. And Tennessee did that. No John Fulkerson, no Jonas. I do, but it didn't matter because um, they still had a tremendous amount better players than Lenore Ryan did. Um, but it is really hard not to be excited about Kennedy Chandler and Brandon Hunley Hatfield. I mean, Kennedy Chandler, t- Tennessee, I might have to eat my words on this. I don't think I've ever seen a point guard at Tennessee like this kid. Uh, this kid is just an absolute natural beast of a point guard. He sees the floor at, at, for the way no 18-year-old kid should ever see the floor. Uh, he never gets rattled. He, he stays calm. He makes the right plays. He's a great knockdown shooter when you leave him space. Uh, he, he, he just, he's really, really good. Enjoy the one year he's at Tennessee because he's, for a six-foot kid, he, he, he's a one-and-done first-round type potential guy for a reason. Uh, enjoy this season that you have of him. He is he is fantastic. And Brandon Hunley Hatfield took advantage of Fulkerson not being available, and I do not being available. He played twenty minutes and had a better plus minus than than Chandler did. I mean, Hunley Hatfield had fifteen and twelve. Uh, he he was great soft hands for a big man. Usually, big men have bricks for hands, especially young ones. He used to play football. He used to play quarterback and, and wide receiver before he got to be 6'10". So he's got really good hands, and you can tell. He, he talks about playing football helping him in that way. Uh, he's got a lot of skills. He's the floor well. I like a lot. He, he was much better in a game setting than he had been in practice, which is Allen Iverson's shout-out. That, that's good for Tennessee. He's got some gamer in him. Uh, but th- those freshmen, man, th- that's a really, really talented class. Uh, that team's going to be, I think, fun to watch. It's a tough schedule, so there's going to be some ups and downs in there, you know, peaks and valleys and all that. But I, I think that's going to be a fun team to watch. And, and the biggest story for me, before, before we move on to football, was that Tennessee shot an, shot an unbelievable number of three-pointers in that game. 46, 46 right? three-pointers in that game. Oof. For perspective on this, Tennessee never shot more than 28 in a single game last year. Tennessee averaged 19 per game last year. And just about every time I've seen Tennessee take 25-plus threes in a game, I've seen Rick Barnes want to lose his freaking mind. And all of a sudden, sometime in the offseason, it's the combination of this roster having the makeup that it does with so many great shooters now on the team, like Powell you know, is a great shooter. You know, Vescovi usually a really good shooter. Bailey is, is sort of hit and miss, but sometimes a really, really good shooter. He gets really hot and gets going. Um, you know, the, the Powell kid's a great shooter. He's a really good shooter. Chandler can shoot. Um, they've got some guys on this team now come walk and step out and, and shoot some threes too. They've got a lot of shooters on this team. And 
Rick Barnes said of the 46 threes that he saw in that game, there were only three he didn't like. So it's the combination of him seeing the way that basketball is played nowadays. You think about it, when Daryl Morey got to the Rockets and completely changed the way they played basketball, and a lot of people said, what the hell are they doing at first? And then they realized that Morey had looked at the metrics, and that was the way to play basketball. You take three-pointers or you get to the rim. Three-pointers or get to the rim. That is the most efficient way to, to score points and give yourself a chance to win games on the offensive end. Alabama with Nate Oates was an extreme version of this last year. They shot a ton of threes. Um, and and look, look where they got. They had a really good season with, a, I mean, some good players, clearly, um, but, but not a complete roster, but they played to that style and they recruited to that style, and they got some really good results. And Nate Oates is a really good coach. I think Rick Barnes saw both the, the composition of this roster and the way basketball is being played, and I think he's finally totally bought into these metrics. And I, I think that's really good news for Tennessee. Uh, I don't know if they're going to put up 45 in every game because Fulkerson's out there. You're probably not going to shoot as many threes because – Fulkerson is not, you know, Olivier Coma will step out there and shoot the ball. Josiah Jordan James will step out there and shoot the ball. Fulkerson's only taken like two or three career threes. They're not going to shoot as many threes when he's out there, but they're going to shoot a lot more than they have been. And I think that's a good thing for Tennessee because that is the way the game is played these days. We'll have tons more to discuss. I know we'll get another season preview uh, episode coming up here in the next eight days because Tennessee hosts UT Martin on November 9th uh, to get going. But there, there's a lot of reasons, I think, to be excited about these falls, so we'll keep keep, uh, keep going with the attention there here in the coming weeks. But now we'll shift it back over to football. Ryan, how much, how much football were, were you watching over the weekend? I know some guys try to get away from it during the open date. Some guys enjoy the opportunity to really sit down and watch college football, you know, unencumbered by travel and, you know, having to be at Neyland Stadium for like seven hours or eight hours and not being able to really soak in other games. What, which, which way did you go on Saturday? Oh, I, I definitely watched plenty of football Saturday, and that's I, I, I enjoy it. I, I've enjoyed that about this, uh, well, really the past two years uh, with, with due to COVID, uh, you know, people who out there who might not, might not oh, I guess we, we've mentioned this on a lot of our podcast post game, but, you know, that we're, we're not taking all of uh, the entire staff to, to all road games because all the post-game press conferences are done via zoom for the road teams in the sec this year. Yep. So, um, so for the past two years now, we, we, this year and last year, we've you know gotten to, to spend more Saturdays at home. And I I've always joked with people, no one watches less college football than college football beat writers because we're spending Basically, a lot yeah. of our, because you know, we're spending a lot of our Saturdays traveling to and from stadiums and, and watching the games that we're covering. And, and there's an hour before and, and two hours after or whatever that you're dealing with all that stuff. Um, so it knocks out basically all of your day and you can't really sit around and watch games. Uh, you, you watch a, a few minutes here and a few minutes there. You keep a game on uh, a second screen while you're, while you're sitting there covering the game you're at, but uh, you don't get to see much. So I've, I've enjoyed seeing actual, you know, being able to sit around and watch more games when Tennessee's on the road in particular. So it didn't feel a whole lot different from a road game Saturday, but, uh, but yeah, having a whole day to kind of sit, sit around, I, I watched plenty and uh, you know, at least there were some, there were some good games. I, I enjoyed that Michigan state Michigan game and you know, not, not a great sec slate, uh, not a, not a loaded sec slate this past week, but, uh, but a couple good ones, at least in the sec, um, not so much that Vanderbilt Missouri game, even though that was one of the more competitive games, yeah. just a gross crowd at that one. Just, unfortunate <laughs> but yeah it, it was, it, it, was a fun... it, it doesn't always just mean more oh no certainly not at all 14 sec schools uh there, there are some exceptions but yeah i i enjoyed that and uh yeah that, that michigan michigan state game in particular that was a that was a fun one I, I wasn't sure that one would live up to the hype but that was uh that was a really good game and uh you know michigan state looks like a a legit contender in the big 10 I, I wasn't sure a few weeks ago they were but they're they're looking like the real deal yeah, and what if Tennessee had hired Mel Tucker you, you, instead Oof. of Jeremy Pruitt at the time? You wonder now. Of course, you can't go back and change history, um, and you can't go butterfly effect on things because if Mel Tucker had gone to Tennessee, you know, instead of where he went, um, you know, you just wonder how many different things would have changed in the college football metaverse. You know, basically, you just you just don't know how how many dominoes would have gone a different way if that had happened. Um, takes like eight, and now, it takes like eight dimensional chess to figure all that out but you know it's it's interesting because now he you know he could go to somewhere like an LSU or a Southern Cal or you know just it's interesting because he's now 
now a really hot name in the coaching world. And I got to tell you, Ryan, I watched that game uh, at Thompson Bowling Arena sitting next to Mike Wilson, a good friend of the pod, Mike Wilson, Tennessee's basketball beat writer uh, for the Knoxville News Sentinel. He is a Michigan State graduate and keeps an eye on the Spartans pretty closely. And uh, he was he was uh, threatening to break press, press box decorum uh, during that last touchdown. So that that was that was that was interesting to, to to watch that game next to someone who was so invested in it. But it's interesting because you're right. As a college football beat writer, the the few times that I've voted on the AP poll, I, I remember it's it was a weekly thing from the hours of like 11 p.m. to like 2 a.m. Basically, you're 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 calling or or texting you know, other friends who are on the poll, other guys across the country. Like I would, you know, talk a lot to Andy Staples or Brett Murphy or, you know, Stuart Mandela or whoever, and, you know, or, or beat writers from other schools and be like, hey, I didn't get to watch a lot of this game. I've got these guys 17th. Is that is that crazy? And, and that's – it sounds bad when you have to admit things like that, but it's also obvious. You, you, you have until like – early the next morning or whatever to get your votes in for that week. And you can't possibly go back and DVR and watch everything by then. It's not possible. You have to trust like a network of people that, that that are around the country that you trust. And you say, Hey, I've got Boise 21st. Is that right? Or I've got Colorado at 12. Is that too high? It feels too high. You know, whatever the conversation is because you can't watch everything. So during the open date, normally, you know, you get to watch a lot more than normal. Of course, Tennessee played basketball, so I didn't get to do that. But I did get home to watch some of the night games. Obviously, was had had the tablet on, uh, had the tablet on uh, Auburn, Ole Miss, and had on the TV Kentucky and and um, uh, in Mississippi State. And we'll talk a lot more about that game probably in the second segment because that pertains very much to Tennessee this week. But I also watched a lot of that Georgia-Florida game during the Tennessee basketball game. And I got to tell you, Florida is in trouble and Dan Mullen's making it worse by being Dan Mullen and his personality being the way that it is. But that Georgia defense reminds me almost, and this might sound stupid, but this Georgia defense sort of reminds me of that LSU offense the year Burrow and those guys won a national title. Like LSU's offense that year was by far the best unit in all of college football. And I think this Georgia defense is about as good as that LSU offense was, unless that maybe that sounds crazy, but I to me that almost seems like the case with those guys. That that might be a fair comparison. I mean, they're they are a generational defense, it looks like. They they've got that kind of potential. And if they're if they're healthy and at full strength going into that SEC championship game, boy, that that inevitable, seemingly inevitable showdown between Georgia and, and Alabama could be quite a bit of fun. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've even talked to some people who think Georgia wins that game easily. I, I don't know if that, I believe that. I don't either. Um, Kirby, think, Kirby's got Kirby's got to go prove that in a big game to me. Yeah, and, and Alabama's got a, a pretty good defense of its own. That that you know, I think a lot of people look too much at that Texas A&M game, thinking Alabama's defense is pretty human. Tennessee did pretty well to score twenty four against Alabama, and that, that's a defense that hasn't allowed a hundred yard rusher or a team to rush for a hundred yards besides Florida, I think all season. So um, they're, they're going to give Georgia some fits too, if that's the, if that's the matchup. But yeah, I, I do think this Georgia defense is really good. And, you know, I, I know Tennessee fans are probably hoping Georgia will stub its toe at some point and, and not have to uh, not, not lose that smack talk of 1980 <laughs> that comes up every time. Yeah, Doesn't, uh, it, doesn't it feel like in some ways that, that, the Clemson game might have been Georgia's stub your toe moment, and they got through it. Yeah, it might might have been. That's that's the closest they've come so far. I mean, again, we'll we'll, we'll see in the in the SEC championship game. But you know, crazy, they've already clinched. Uh, you know, by the before the end of October, they had already clinched the SEC East. That's uh, you know, I, I wish there was some way to make those division races more interesting. But some years you you just can't. Uh, so well, that's I mean, just where you the, know, Auburn controls its own destiny in the West. Still, yeah. and Bo yeah. Nix is Bo Nix. People talk a lot about Matt Corral for a reason. I think Matt Corral, when he's healthy, is the best player in college football. But Bo Nix has moments where he is as good as anybody in the country. Period. Bo Nix has moments. His physical gifts are through the freaking roof. The arm this kid has, the the mobility he has, the athleticism, the quick twitch. That guy is like if you were to build a quarterback from the ground up, like from scratch, and say I want it to. I wanted to have all of these physical talents. You would build Bo Nix. I mean, that guy is just 
fantastic. But then he also does stuff where you go, what the hell are you thinking? But when he's good, man, he's really, really good. So Bo Nix on his day could give anybody a hard time. Harson's got a good offense, always has. You know, that's we'll see. But yeah, in the East, I mean, it's it's not even it's 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 not even close. I mean, George is doing this without, despite Stetson Bennett the fourth being just so average as a quarterback. I mean, he made two or three throws against Florida that were absolutely horrendous. Bad decisions, bad spots of the ball, led to turnovers, and and Georgia. I hate to say this because I think Bennett's getting almost the most out of what he has in some ways, but imagine if this Georgia team had a freaking quarterback. Yeah. And that's, they've got, to me, they, they need JT Daniels back to, to win that, to, to, to feel good going into that SEC championship I think so game. Too. I, I agree. I don't know what, I don't know what that whole situation is there with him, but he, him, him being out makes them a much more human team, obviously. And, and Florida did not respect, um, their their passing game all that much uh, down the field, just like Georgia didn't really have to respect Florida's uh, in that game, and it was a low scoring game until Georgia's defense blew it open there right before halftime. But yeah, that, that Georgia team is pretty special. It makes for a tough matchup when uh, when Georgia comes to to Neyland Stadium, obviously in less than two weeks. Uh, that was announced on Monday as a a three thirty CBS game. Uh, so Tennessee gets the CBS national spotlight. That. That was an interesting decision to me because there is one other game that weekend. I forget which one it is off the top of my head, but there's a, uh, I think Texas A&M, Ole Miss, maybe there's a there's a matchup of two ranked teams that weekend that I thought CBS might like more, but number yeah, one well, team in the country. Yeah, think about it. You can only get five times, and I think that that's going to be, you yeah, know, Georgia will get five um, because you have to get you can't be more on on CBS more than five times. But I think looking at the schedule. Who was I talking to last week or two weeks ago? It may have been Brent Hubs I was talking to about this when we were talking, looking at the numbers and saying there's no way that the SEC can get Georgia on another time unless it's a stretch, but the Tennessee game is the one to do it. So it, it seems to me like it made sense for the league to do that because if you get the number one team, you know, in a place like Neyland Stadium, that's a, that's a pretty good draw. Yeah, and, and Tennessee, you know, I, I thought that – a six day option might be a possibility for this game uh, to wait and see what happened with the Tennessee Kentucky game. Because if, if Tennessee loses to Kentucky, that game loses some of its luster maybe. But if it, if a Tennessee team goes up to, to Kentucky and wins that, that at least looks like a potential, a potentially tough game for Georgia. If, if there's ever going to be one for them down the stretch, but uh, Tennessee's going to have a hard time scoring on Georgia, just like everybody else that, that has faced them. So that one certainly uh, doesn't look any easier. I think after what we saw Saturday, but, I will say what we saw from Kentucky Saturday night, it, depending on how you look at it, I've talked to people on both sides of this. Kentucky looks more human now after what they did at Mississippi State. On the other hand, people, I think, fear the bounce back now, thinking that Mississippi yeah. State has kind of ruined Tennessee's chance to expose some of Kentucky's flaws and that now they'll come back more prepared and, and with a better effort this week. So it could be could bode well or or, or not so well for Tennessee, but that – that at least makes this a, a, a much more interesting and, and even-looking matchup for sure uh, now with Kentucky coming off a loss Saturday night. Yeah, let's quickly put a pin in that because that's what I was going to lead off the second segment with. That's a really good point to, to transition into. So the, I'm of a couple different minds on that, and, and I think you just hit on a lot of it, but I think there's more to discuss there. Uh, so we're a little bit due for a break now. Let's go ahead and step away, uh, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, other fun things, and then we'll come back and talk more specifically about Kentucky, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Tennessee, and some Tennessee football recruiting, and then we will get out of here. First, though, let's, uh, let's take care of some business. Hashtag ad. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a beautiful, beautiful Monday afternoon in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee. Ryan Callahan uh, coming to you from across town there at his home daycare center, the clown car full of children, which he calls home, that petri dish of fall and winter diseases in which he lives. Talking Tennessee football primarily, also talking some hoops in this episode, also talking some recruiting. So it's a good one to have Ryan on for because we got a lot of different things to discuss, and, and Ryan can can hit on all these with us. So it's, it's a good thing that he's here with us for this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We're going to get right back into it first. A quick reminder, guys, if you could take about mm, 60 to 90 seconds out of your day right now, and go in there and subscribe to this podcast, that would help us out a lot. Uh, we do this thing for free, and we're happy to do it. We only ask for one thing. That's if you go in there. And if you're just listening on the website, no problem. We love you, man. There's no wrong way to, to consume this podcast. But what helps us out the most is if you go in there on Google Podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, obviously, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod you can find this GoVoss 24-7 podcast. And what helps us out the most is if you go in there and you rate and you review and you hit the subscribe button. We do this for free, and that's the only thing we ask for. Please go in and do that. That helps us a bunch. That helps us add wolves to our wolf pack. That helps us keep this thing growing as it's done consistently and relentlessly since we started it years ago. So I don't think we've ever had a a, a month-to-month or year-to-year where things have gone the wrong way since we started it. So that's a credit to you all out there listening more than anything. So we thank you for doing that, and please continue to do that. Tell your friends. Let's keep growing this thing. Ryan, you made a really good point there at the end of the first segment. It's something I was going to talk about to lead off this segment, so it's a good transition, is what happened to, to Kentucky in Starkville in so many ways was more or less exactly what I thought Tennessee could do to Kentucky, that kind of a game where you bottle up that Kentucky offense, you, you make uh, Levis beat you, and you just hit a couple shots downfield, make some plays, and you could expose that team in a hurry because Kentucky has a lot of mental and physical toughness as a team. What Mark Stoops has done there, I will tip my cap. I can't right now because i got my headphones on over the top of it. Metaphorically, right now, I am tipping my cap to the job he has done in Lexington. But that is still not a team, and it's better offensively generally than it was the past couple years when it didn't have a quarterback for a while. But it does not want to get into a game, into a shootout. It does not want to play from behind. It does not want to get in that kind of situation. Most teams don't want that, but this Kentucky team really doesn't want that because it's not necessarily a consistent, quick strike, kind of go for the jugular offense. That's just not what Kentucky is. And Tennessee, uh, you know, it can be inconsistent there for a while, but it's going to hit some big plays because it hits big plays against everybody. And it's going to put some points on the board against everybody it plays because that's what Josh Heupel football is. And it's what it always has been, probably what it always will be. Even 24 points against Alabama. They were held down for a lot of the day. Boom, hit three or four big plays, put points on the board. That's not the kind of game Kentucky wants to play. So I'm of two minds on this. The first one is, you know, Mississippi State, which I don't think is as good as Tennessee. I mean, I think Tennessee's probably a better team, but it's not like it's miles separating them. That's what I thought Tennessee could do to Kentucky. So now it's like, okay, the blueprint of what I thought could happen is definitely possible, and that's the first thing. But the second thing, man, it just happened. Is it going to happen two weeks in a row? That is the concern. Will you see Kentucky get kind of chop back down to size, kind of what some would say put back in its place, kind of set back in the corner and like, hey, bros, you're not you're not a 10-11 win team. You're just not. Now that they have taken that punch in the mouth, that they've had that game where they just turned it over so many times, didn't score an offensive point uh, in the first half of that game, got made just so many turnovers and bad plays. They've had bad turnover margins all year long. They've not taken care of the ball, not forced enough turnovers either. So for all the physical strength and toughness that that team has, and, and as dangerous as it can be when it gets you in that kind of low-scoring game, does it want to play a game like that? No, it doesn't. But because that happened last week, will Kentucky respond differently this week? And it's almost like, I'll be honest with you guys, if Kentucky had won at Mississippi State, I was 100% going to pick Tennessee to win that football game. Now, though, I don't know. 
Does that sound crazy, Ryan? Tell, feel, feel free to tell me if it sounds crazy because maybe it does. I just because it just happened, the thought of it happening two weeks in a row, I just don't know. No, it's 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 not crazy. I I, I totally understand where you're coming from there, and Kentucky is good enough that I I don't I don't think this was just an instance of Kentucky being exposed, uh, and and they're you know gonna not not be that impressive down the stretch because people have figured them out. I think Mississippi state did some good things against them. Uh, they were actually able to run the ball a little bit more than people probably expected them to. Um, Cause Kentucky's run defense has been, has been pretty strong this year and, and state's not, not much of a running team. So they ran 35 times average less than three yards a carry uh, for the game, but, but they were effective enough. And then what, what Mississippi state did in the passing game is just hard to duplicate because they went 36 of 39 uh for 344 which is, which yards. is unbelievable i don't i know the air raid has a lot of those kind of short tosses and tosses into open space and those things but still people know what mike leach's offenses want to do that's why it's hard for that air raid offense ryan to to, to have really good performances against really good defenses because you kind of know how to operate if you if you stop the air raid before you kind of know you drop eight and, and you give them a hard time, but they popped in some runs, and by God, thirty six to thirty nine is hard. That is, and uh, and and you know, I I don't think Tennessee can expect to certainly do that um, because we've not seen that really be Tennessee's mo this year. But I, you know, a lot of this game to me comes down to, and and Josh Heupel was pretty you know optimistic sounding Monday when we asked him for an update on on these guys, but uh, you know he was kind of asked wholesale about the the health of guys like Tyon Evans, Cade Mays. And he said a lot of those guys he thinks he's leaning toward thinking they'll have a chance to be available this week. If those guys are back, you know, that that changes the look of this game for me. If if Cade Mays is especially if he is not back, uh that that's going to be a, a tough sledding for Tennessee against such a veteran Kentucky defense there, that's there, been there, pretty yeah there's some dudes in that front on that front four. And, and with those guys being pretty strong against the run, Tennessee's offensive line couldn't get much going in the run game against Alabama, which, again, no, nobody really has besides Florida this year. But still, that that's going to be a tough matchup for Tennessee. So I still look at this as a – I do think Tennessee is a, is a tough matchup for Kentucky with what they do because, as you said, Kentucky's not built to come from behind. They're not built to, to, to get into a, to a high-scoring slugfest that way that they're they're best equipped to win this game in the 20s you know if this game stays 27 24 24 17 that kind of game is ideally i think what kentucky needs to to pull this one out um that they, they've got a more balanced team certainly with levis at quarterback they're a they're a better looking offense overall but they're still more run heavy they, they still tend to lean on their run game and play kind of tight to the to the vest and uh, just, just not a not a flashy offensive team. So they, they I think need a lower scoring game, and, and that's it's doable against Tennessee as we've seen the past two weeks, but he, or past two games. But even those, Tennessee still scored twenty four and twenty six um, against uh, you know a couple of pretty good teams, obviously in Ole Miss and Alabama. So you, you you've got hope for if you're Kentucky, but I do think Tennessee presents some real problems for them matchups matchup wise. At the same time, I think Kentucky presents some problems for, for Tennessee's offense, you know, again, especially if Cade Mays is out, I think Kentucky's defense, you know, has a chance to, to bottle up Tennessee's run game. And we've yet to see Tennessee win a game, you know, despite kind of the perception of Josh Heupel's offense coming in, we've yet to see them win a game when they couldn't run the ball. Well, Um, they, they need to be able to run the ball pretty effectively, at least I think to feel good about it. And and here's how I kind of have looked at it so far. We've seen Hendon hooker play really well and put up some good numbers throughout the year certainly put up some big numbers against Missouri and and, uh, against South Carolina and in some other games he's he's had good numbers but he's not had to go out there and win a game I think this is the week he finally has to go win Tennessee a game I I think this is the week where you know maybe that run game's just not going to be there all that much you know maybe they maybe they get 60 or 80 yards from uh from Jabari Small and and or Tyon Evans whoever's out there but I just don't know that they're going to run the ball that effectively this week, depending on the health of that offensive line. And if that's the case, but I tell you, Hendon Hooker, a healthy, a healthy Tyon Evans, though, Ryan is a, is a different, you know, he, he's had now two weeks to get that ankle better. And yeah. I, you know, when he's healthy, he's a handful. That's a big, that's a big wild card in this game. I, I agree. And that's, you know, without knowing for sure how healthy he's going to be Saturday, if he's back, 
you know, it's hard to say for sure. But even even if, if Tennessee is closer to full strength, I, I think this probably, I don't know, I, I lean toward this game not getting too high scoring. I, you know, just like kind of that Mississippi State game Saturday night, I think 31 points probably wins it uh, for either side. So I, I think this is going to be a fairly defensive game. And uh, I think it's one of those where, you know, we've seen Hendon Hooker in a couple of close games, one of them being the first one where he came off the bench and, you know, threw a late interception against Pitt and then they lost that game by seven. The other being Ole Miss where they, they couldn't come up with a score in the fourth quarter, given a few opportunities to to come back and, and take the lead in the fourth. But, you know, he this might be a game where it comes down to the fourth quarter and he's got to make some plays to help Tennessee pull it out. But I, I definitely think it's a very winnable game, regardless of what happens Saturday night. I think I think I can understand the concern, though, certainly with what Mississippi State did. And I'm sure Kentucky will shore up some things. But at the same time, I just don't know that Tennessee's game plan is going to mirror what Mississippi State did, especially with how much and how efficiently they threw the ball. Yeah, that, that's a great point on Hooker is that, you know, going into the season, I, I think most of us would have thought and it, you know, there was a whole body of evidence from his time at Virginia Tech to 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 lead to this conclusion. But the biggest concern for a lot of people, and I was one of them, was what's going to happen when you absolutely have to rely on his arm? You know, can he just carry a team like that when he has to make the throws? And you know what? He's been able to make some big throws in big spots. That's It's not like I think it's the strength of his game, but it's not my concern. My concern with Hendon Hooker has been in fourth quarter moments and really in sort of late moments in first halves and fourth quarters, sort of second quarter, fourth quarter, last couple minutes, some of his decision-making in that time has maybe not alarm, that, that's too big a word, but it's been a concern. Like times where he didn't think to get out of bounds or to stay in bounds. Times where he didn't, he just hasn't managed the clock. For a guy who's played a lot of football and a guy who's grown up around the game, his dad was a, was a record-setting quarterback at North Carolina A&T. He's been around the game his whole life. He's always played quarterback. He's He's just he's he's been built for this. His inability at times to sort of read the flow of the game as it relates to time and distance and those things that's a concern for me. Um, now against Pitt, he again, if there's a better spot on that on that run, maybe they're not trying to field goal there. Maybe they're putting the ball in the end zone. You know, we don't know. But th- that's not his fault necessarily. But the interception was just a, a, a bad time for it. Uh, still no word on whether Javante Payton or Hooker went the wrong way on that interception against Alabama. I think it was Peyton, but I don't know for sure. Um, but but there's been moments – I just thought having to rely on Hooker's arm would be the concern, but it turns out the bigger concern now is will he make the right decisions late in the second quarter and fourth quarter because to this point, I don't know that he consistently has done that. There's been several times where he's you know, just sort of not not read the game right. Yeah, and, and I, I wonder too – You know, I, part of it is just we haven't seen Tennessee – going into a game trying to rely on Hooker throwing all that much. You know, they, they want to throw the ball. I, I wondered after what we saw from Tennessee's offensive line, how banged up they were you know, and, and how they performed in the Alabama game, if they just knowing what two games were coming up, knowing that Kentucky's defense is pretty good, knowing that Georgia's is really good, um, just wondering how much you're going to get out of the running game these next two weeks. You know, certainly South Alabama and Vanderbilt down the stretch should should offer Tennessee some more uh, – more, friendly matchups to to go out and, and get the running game going this week and next week could be tough, especially depending on how healthy that offensive line is. So I wonder how much do they stick with the running game this week? If they struggle early a little bit and do they, do you maybe kind of look at it as a modified running game this week? Do you, do you work in more swing passes and uh, you know, shovel passes, things like that to sort of mimic a running game, but maybe not just classic run up the middle plays, but where I think they've yeah. done a lot of those. Valus Jones jet sweeps and things like that too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and does, and does Hendon hooker maybe have to, it sounds like most of these run plays that we see that are, that are kind of just, you know, between the tackles runs are, are mostly zone read plays. Does he have to start keeping more of these? We don't know his health completely. Obviously he was able to play against Alabama, but is he healthy enough? to take on a bigger load in the run game. And when I say Hendon Hooker needs to go win this game, it may be in the run game too. It may be with 220 passing yards and 85 rushing yards, but he may have to go win this himself one way or the other. And, and that's, I, I wonder if he's, you know, it'll be a good test for him because he's obviously elevated his stock this year. This could be a chance for kind of a signature moment for him to, to cap off what's been a, a really nice year that's maybe put him on some NFL draft boards at this point. So uh, I, I think this is a fascinating matchup and, you know, not to put a 
more pressure on Tennessee, but I, I thought going into the year, this is you know probably one of the two most important games for Tennessee. Uh, it just is with where this program is. I, I thought this and and either South Carolina or Missouri. I think I think South Carolina is probably the one that people thought was the easier game, so most people would have said Missouri. But the, you know, this is the one where you've you've got a real chance to win it on the road. Kentucky has you know in the last couple of years started to win more recruiting battles against yes, Tennessee. Yes, yes, yes. Started to solidify itself as a program. Tennessee needs to to start taking back this series and obviously lost by a sizable margin last year to Kentucky at Neyland stadium for the first time in a long time, losing in that fashion to Kentucky. So I think winning this one is hugely important for this program. You win this game, you're playing with house money the rest of the way, uh, because unless you get upset by South Alabama or Vanderbilt, you're, you're headed for seven and five. And that's a really nice first year under Josh Heupel. So this is a huge, huge game. I think it's, you know, you're pushing all the chips out there. You're all in on this game. Yes. Uh, everything if, if you I'm, have, the best stuff you have, everything you have. If I'm playing guys, you know, who are, who are pushing it health wise, you know, as long as they're not risking further injury, you got to find a way to go this week. You know, this is not a, not a week to hold anybody back because the, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they're going to have a tough time keeping up with Georgia uh, next week. It's, it's all about this game. And so uh, I'll, be, I'll be fascinated to see the, the chess match here between these two coaching staffs. I think both staffs do a really good job. So what does Tennessee have schemed up with the benefit of an open date to, to prepare for Kentucky? And, and what, what's the health of this team to, to allow them to be you know, closer to that full-strength offense we saw a few weeks ago? Yeah, I think, Ryan, the last point on Kentucky that I've got, at least for this episode, is that what you just mentioned, it, it, it's hard enough right now at Tennessee to – to do the things that it normally does in recruiting, which is, you know, go head to head with your Alabamas and Georgias and Floridas and LSUs and win your fair share of those battles. It's hard to do that right now. It doesn't mean you can't do it. Um, You know, you certainly, you can do it, um, but it's harder than it used to be. And if you are having to worry about now Kentucky and South Carolina and those teams, you know, Missouri, whatever, those teams kind of sneaking up from behind you and kind of picking off your players, that that's what that's when you get into trouble like that that that's you want to be looking ahead of you more than behind you traditionally speaking and if you can really kind of quickly put Kentucky back in its kind of little blue brother place try to say that 10 times fast little blue brother if you can put Kentucky back in that corner as quickly as possible and put that thing back where it historically is and you don't have to look behind you as much that makes it a lot easier to focus on the things and the programs in front of you rather than having to worry about also, you know, keeping Kentucky off of your, off of your hind parts. It does. And, and it, it's a huge thing perception wise, I think for Tennessee to be, you know, they, they need it. They need the discussion to be that Tennessee is that third, that third sec East giant again with Georgia and Florida. You need that perception because I think the perception in recent years has been, Tennessee's just kind of one of those middle of the pack teams in the SEC East and, and some years, not even that. So I obviously getting back, regaining the upper hand against Kentucky is a big part of that. So I, I think, yeah, that that's not the only reason certainly that, that Tennessee's lost some recruiting battles to Kentucky in recent years, but it certainly hasn't, hasn't helped uh, that they've lost some games to Kentucky on the field. And that this has been a very tightly contested um, series over the past decade for the most part. So that this is one Tennessee needs to regain the upper hand uh, if they can. Mark Stoops and that staff have obviously done a, a great job at Kentucky, but um, you know th- this has been maybe the 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 most telling uh, sign of, of Tennessee's fall uh, over the past decade is that this this series used to be such a given for Tennessee, and now it's been a toss up game, and and it's obviously to the point that Kentucky's built itself up into a pretty good program, and Tennessee's trying to get back to frankly where Kentucky has been the last couple of years. So. Um, I, I think they're they're in a much better spot. And again, I think matchup wise on paper, Tennessee presents some real problems. But that, that's one of the reasons this is such an important game, because you've got a chance to to go up there and, and, and beat them at Lexington. And if you can do that, hey, it's uh, it, it's a chance to reestablish, you know, like you said, kind of superiority over Kentucky pretty quickly. They've done that against South Carolina and Missouri. Now, multiple wins over those teams uh, in, in those series uh, over the past couple of years. Now you need to start taking it back against Kentucky to put yourself back in that upper echelon in the SEC East. Yeah, because I mean Stoops is what two and six against Tennessee or whatever it is. So it's not like it's you know some some 
problem where they're catching you actually on the field or, or you know, just sort of consistently making themselves superior to you on the field. But I'll, I'll tell you what matters, and Ryan, you cover recruiting, so you would probably know this infinitely better than I would. But I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. There's that kind of player in Nashville, Cincinnati, sort of that whole corridor, Louisville, you know, St. Louis, maybe that that whole little region there, Ohio. That that sort of that if you could draw a circle around that area that Kentucky recruits so heavily. If you look at it traditionally, you know, Tennessee's going to get whoever it wants over Kentucky in those areas, unless it's like a Lexington kid or Eastern Kentucky kid who just grew up dreaming of playing for Big Blue, yada yada. There are outliers like Randall Cobb, but but normally, your Tennessee are going to win those battles. The problem, I think, is with Stoops, and put yourself in the position of a player or a player's parents or a player's support staff, coaches, you know, mentors, et cetera. Think about that group of people and where you're sending your young man to go play college football. Kentucky gives you stability right now. Mark Stoops has been there since, what, 2012, 2013. You know what they're about as a program. You know the style that they have. You know that – it feels like with Stoops, unless he you know goes to Florida State or somewhere else, it kind of feels like he's in a good place there. You know they've improved facilities a little bit, but there's been stability there. Whereas at Tennessee, you've had chaos, you've had absolute chaos. So Kentucky has been able to seize on that. And in some of these situations, if you're a kid or their parents or their mentors or coaches, and you're trying to advise your young man on where to go, I mean the stability at Kentucky has been a positive. So if you're Tennessee and you can get some stability, sort of go back to just beating Kentucky over the head, that changes things. It does. I, I think the biggest thing Kentucky's done, frankly, in recent years is putting guys in the NFL. They're, they're developing some NFL players on defense in particular. That, that's been one of their biggest selling points to, to get guys like Keaton Wade uh, from, from Summit, uh, the four-star uh, linebacker that I, I think probably projects as an edge rusher in college for the most part. But but guys like that, seeing, you know, Josh Allen go to the pros and, and, and be early draft picks, things like that. So that, that speaks volumes about what that staff has done, and that's one of the biggest things they've had success in selling. But, yeah, a lot of it is stability and just kind of overall trajectory of that program. They, they have done a good job. They've, they've gotten some good offensive linemen over the years. You know, that their offense is still not a, not a juggernaut. They're, they're not as balanced as, as most SEC teams are these days, but they are – um, but they're they're a better offense than they have been. They're not they're not throwing a, a wide receiver out there and, and running the single wing or, or whatever uh, that we've seen a couple times. But they're they're they've continued to make just kind of steady progress and and obviously put themselves in position this year to to have a chance to win nine or ten games uh, going into this month. So we'll we'll see how they finish. This is a big game for Kentucky. It's a big game for Tennessee. But you know to to your point, you know Tennessee's not lost the overall control of the series, but Kentucky has won two of the last four meetings. They've won three of the last 10. Each of the last three that Kentucky's won in this series, though, has been a devastating loss for the Tennessee coach at the time. In 2011, obviously, that was sort of the beginning of the end in some ways for Derek Dooley. In 2017, that was you know the, the, the next-to-last fatal blow for Butch Jones that obviously resulted in him being fired. And last year, even though it's you know the NCAA investigation and everything else that led to Jeremy Pruitt's uh, firing in January, that loss started to change the feel I think that fans had for where the program was headed. That game being 34 to seven, I think just left a, such a bad taste in fans mouths that it, they, they didn't know that they were going to rebound under, under Jeremy Pruitt. So each time you lose to Kentucky, it's an event for, for Tennessee and, and you can't have that. Not to say that any loss this year would be as devastating as any of those was for Tennessee but you still need to stop that because it, it doesn't need to become more of a trend than it already is. And certainly Tennessee winning this game in year one under Josh Heupel could go a long way towards sort of reestablishing order, or at least the way Tennessee wants to have it. Yeah. Cause there's been this perception out there this season and admittedly Kentucky is actually trying to throw the football some now. So it's not like the past couple of years at times where they just didn't even really try to throw the ball cause they, they couldn't, but there's this perception out there that, that they've made some big strides there. And I'm going to be honest with you. Numbers don't show that at all. Kentucky nope. right now, Kentucky right now, nationally, there are 130 teams in the country. Kentucky's 101st in passing offense, guys. 101st. In scoring offense, Kentucky's 88th nationally. In total offense, Kentucky's 92nd nationally. They're, they're not, they haven't like reinvented the wheel offensively there and they're just all of a sudden throwing it great. They can occasionally throw the ball downfield now, which, you know, hey, it's, 
every week to its own week, right? Bryce Young never ran until he faced Tennessee, and then he ran a bunch. <laughs> so, I mean, things happen in football, but but there's this 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 sort of I think there's there's been a little bit of a mis misunderstanding of 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 how much they've turned things over offensively there it's numbers just don't show that and, and so yeah. you know if, if you're if you're an offensive player considering Tennessee or Kentucky maybe the stability at Kentucky maybe the opportunity for playing time if you're a good quarterback or receiver early on in your career is something that is that appeals to you but if you're looking at do I want to play offense for Josh Heupel or for Mark Stoops I don't know how that's even a question yeah and this is uh you know to that point you know Kentucky is only thrown for 200 yards in a game twice all season and it was against louisiana monroe and chad nougat um there are other games hey, they the, the, mo- the mocks gave them a big push ryan they did and, and there are other games there are other uh six games this year they've not topped 192 passing yards uh and for that matter total offense they have finished with uh with no more than 356 yards in it looks like five of their six games or five of their eight games. So three games this year, they've topped 356 yards. So they're not putting up big numbers offensively still. Um, they've had some some yeah. games that have been more efficient than others, but um, passing it. 216 last yeah. week. Yep. But passing attempts, not particularly high. You know, they had to throw a lot against Georgia because they were playing from behind. But most weeks, it's 30 or 35 attempts, no more than that. So they, they, are, st- they are still a run-first offense. They are, as you said, more balanced than they have been but that doesn't mean they're necessarily a dangerous passing team. You do have to watch Wandale Robinson. He's put up some big numbers at wide receiver. He's the big threat that Tennessee has to keep an eye on. This is a fascinating matchup for me because of what Kentucky has. It's more of a traditional pro-style offense sort of that wants to run the ball first. Tennessee's done well against running backs this year for the most part. Um, they've, They've not really been gashed by a lot of running backs. We'll see if that holds true this week. And we'll see if Tennessee can sort of focus in on a star receiver like Wendell Robinson and keep him from beating them. Their, their defense overall has played solidly, but can they shut down a guy like that uh, to, to keep this, again, not very impressive uh, stats-wise, but, uh, but solid, uh, respectable Kentucky passing game? Can they hold that in check by keeping Wendell Robinson from beating them? Yeah, and Kentucky did in that state game. There were a couple of those turnovers were really bad luck. They were tip passes that went the wrong way or something like that. I mean, they just had one of those nights, and I got to be honest about that. They just had just a night where everything that could go wrong went wrong. But, you know, Chris Rodriguez is talented and big and bruising as he can be. He fumbles the ball way too often. I mean, they, they've got some some issues there offensively, and I just think it's a fascinating game for so many reasons, and the question I can't figure out is, is whether Kentucky's performance against Mississippi State makes it more or less likely that Kentucky will kind of come apart at the seams against Tennessee I I don't I don't know Um, but there's a lot to to talk about and we'll obviously have this at least go ahead go ahead I'll just say one more thing on that that interesting stat here that I think is is obviously going to be the key to the game and and always is is turnovers uh, because that that's obviously what caused Kentucky that that game their turnover margin this year is is pretty terrible Uh, plus 11 it looks like or minus 11 it looks like for the season that they're, they've had five turnovers uh, where or five games where they've had multiple turnovers this year. So um, win the turnover battle, you're going to have a good chance of beating them. But they've uh, they've got to take Kentucky's got to take better care of the ball. Clearly, they lost the turnover battle for nothing against Mississippi State. That that was the story of the game. If they don't turn the ball over, they're probably in that one until the fourth quarter. So uh, that that's that's always going to be a key. But I think for this game in particular, Kentucky has shown a a, a sort of a, a tendency to turn the ball over. Tennessee needs to keep it that way and needs to continue to take care of the ball as Hendon has as Hendon Hooker has done for the most part this season. He's not been perfect, but for most of the season, he's been very good in that area, and that needs to continue. Yeah, they've just come at really bad times when they've come. You know, very Pitt, true. Pitt, Alabama, just back-breaking moments for him. But, yes, Kentucky is dead last nationally by a wide margin. Uh, dead last nationally. Again, I'll say this again. Dead ass last nationally uh, in, in turnover margin. Minus 1.5 per game. My, yeah, minus 12. Actually, I said minus 11. It's minus 12. So those 11 were on offense. There must be another one somewhere. But, yeah, that is a, that is a pretty bad number. And if you're Tennessee, you've got to be – Tennessee's defense should be looking at its chops this week. You, you need to keep that up. But, obviously, they've not done it every game. But they, they've also not forced many turnovers. Only four turnovers forced by Kentucky's defense all season, which is kind of mind-blowing. When you think about what their record is, yeah, there are for perspective on this, there are only six teams nationally that have a minus one or greater. There are 130 teams in the country. Only six of them average minus one or greater turnover margin per game, and Kentucky's at 1.5. 
So that that tells you how much of a statistical like outlier they are there in terms of of, of turnover margin. It's it's terrible. But Ryan, there's so much more we can discuss about this game. We'll discuss about it Thursday for sure. But before we get out of here, I know you weren't able to get out of town because you're you're you had a bit of a tummy tum tum issue there over the weekend. But in in terms of where Tennessee's coaches went. I know the bye weekend, you know, coaches like to spend time with their families on Saturday, but Thursday and Friday of open date weeks are huge times to get on the road and see guys in recruiting. Sort of where where all did Tennessee's coaches go over the weekend and where, where might that matter the most? Yeah, these these are – they tend to be more important visits as you get later in the season, obviously, and, and Tennessee's coaches haven't spent a ton of time on the road uh, during the season. They, they've tried to focus on – uh, they've had a lot of noon games this year, and that's that's caused them to, I think, focus more on on the current team instead of trying to go out for Friday night games and ha- have coaches rush back to the hotel and 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 be with the team for a you know an early morning and all that. So there's a lot that goes into that that's that's kept Tennessee from doing a lot of that. And this one in particular, because you're less than two months away from early signing day, I, I think these visits uh, show a lo- little bit more about Tennessee's priorities and what they're going to be down the stretch. So. Uh, we did see them check on some defensive linemen, uh, especially a couple junior college guys. Um, they, they handed out a new offer on the, on the, on the defensive line. And I don't have a clue how to pronounce uh, the, this name, so I'm not going to try. But there's a defensive tackle from Independence Community College out in Kansas uh, that they offered. There's also another uh, defensive lineman at that same school that they checked on who had gotten an offer from Tennessee uh, the week before, Jeffrey Mba, uh, a former uh, Virginia commitment uh, originally from uh, – from Congo uh, played football in France, came over to the U S a few years ago and is now coming back kind of second time through the recruiting process, had an offer from Tennessee's former staff coming out of high school and now back on Tennessee's radar. We'll see if they can get a visit from him down the stretch. So we know they're looking for more defensive line help there. Uh, Saw them look at some other guys and we'll see if other offers come out of those visits, but um, definitely checking on defensive linemen. Uh, One of the more interesting stops last week was, uh, Brian John Marie, the linebackers coach, uh, who was in Florida, made, made a number of stops down there, checked on uh, the Tennessee defensive line commitment, Jordan Phillips, uh, and some other guys at, at his high school, Okoe High School. Uh, but while he was in the Orlando area, checked on Demario Tolan, the four star LSU linebacker commitment. I don't think linebacker, and, and he projects likely as more of an inside linebacker, I don't think that is Tennessee's biggest priority position wise down the stretch, but that is a guy Tennessee hosted on an official visit back in June obviously committed to LSU. So there's some uncertainty there for him until he knows who LSU's next coach is going to be. So he's, he's keeping his options open. And I know there's at least been some contact with Tennessee here recently. So we'll, we'll see if anything comes of that, but that was certainly an interesting visit. Uh, and, and then, you know, obviously some of those other guys in Florida, they saw certainly uh, worth keeping an eye on for the future, mostly 2023 prospects down there that they saw. Uh, but, but some others in other States that they, they checked on that certainly could be, Important down the stretch, uh, Jerry Mack handed out a new offer to a class of 2022 running back, which we've Ooh. seen and heard more and more mm. lately that they are definitely looking for a second running back by next year, whether it's via the transfer portal or a high school running back. They definitely are in the market and I think plan to add someone else by next year now. Uh, and they offered Justin Williams, a West Virginia commitment from East Paulding High School in Dallas, Georgia. That's pretty close to Knoxville, two and a half, three hours away. So Sounds like he's likely to visit at some point uh, in the coming weeks. Pretty open still. Auburn also is showing interest. He also got an offer from Michigan within the past few weeks. So good-looking player, six foot, 205 pounds, and, and Tennessee wanting kind of a, a little bit bigger back to go along with, with Dylan Sampson. Uh, not not a 225-pounder not a necessarily, but, you know, a bigger guy that can uh, be more, of, as they said, of an every-down back. And I think certainly Williams shows that on film, good speed, good power. Nice combination of things there. So um, that, that's certainly a, an interesting offer that came out of last week's stops. Uh, they also checked on Christian Harrison, the son of Rodney Harrison, a defensive back, uh, also in the Atlanta area at, uh, at Woodward Academy in College Park, Georgia. Uh, that was one of their their stops. He's continued to add offers lately. Florida offered him last week. So um, his recruitment has definitely picked up since he decommitted from Liberty a couple weeks ago. That one's going to continue to be interesting for Tennessee, but I think the Vols still are one of the top contenders there. And, uh, and, and we continue to see junior college defensive back offers go out. They just handed out another offer on Monday uh, that we reported on Go Vols 24-7 earlier. But, you know, still, still looking at junior college help in the secondary, too. So it certainly don't be surprised if Tennessee signs some junior college guys 
uh, in the secondary and, and potentially on the defensive line too, depending on how things go uh, as they look to fill some needs on defense. And then Josh Heupel uh, finally was in the, uh, was in state. He, he crossed the state basically started in uh, in Memphis and made a number of stops over there before watching Cameron Miller, the, the Tennessee wide receiver commitment and his team play Thursday night. And then on Friday, made a number of stops in the Nashville area and, and spent some time Friday night at Greenbrier high school uh, where Nathan Robinson, a, a, a linebacker at, at Greenbrier, who's going to play on the defensive line in college. It looks like a uh, big, big kid, six, five, 240 plus pounds. Um, he is, uh, he is one of Tennessee's top in state targets in the 2023 class. So certainly a, a, a noteworthy visit there, kind of letting you know where, where one of Tennessee's priorities will be in the 2023 class in state. So, uh, yeah, n- number of interesting stops. Uh, Cody Burns headed out to to Arizona and and to uh, and to, to check on some receivers and other guys out there. Joey Halsley, the quarterbacks coach, went all the way to California to check on some guys, including uh, Nico Iamaleava, the the five star quarterback from out there that almost visited Tennessee last month. They're still hoping to get him on campus uh, sometime soon. So definitely some important visits, and we'll see what comes out of them, especially in the 2022 class down the stretch. But Tennessee covered a lot of ground and, and certainly did, the, did its best uh, to, to make the most of that open date since it's kind of the final chance to get on the road, at least for the entire staff until kind of things fire up again after the regular season. And that's when you really jump into the home stretch, which this year is only two weeks before early signing day once the regular season stops. So this is kind of, I think they treated this as a, as a final chance to get on the road before that and to kind of lay the groundwork for what's going to happen over these next seven weeks. It's uh it's going to be here before you know it. You know, we've got four, four more games for Tennessee to play, but uh, before you know it, we'll be focusing on where these coaches are headed for some, uh, what, what could be a pretty frantic finish uh, with a couple weeks of stops. And Tennessee's got a lot of work to do still in this class with only 14 commitments. So I think it's uh, kind of the laying the groundwork again for uh, what could be a pretty, pretty entertaining stretch run for Tennessee. Yeah. We're, we're pressed for time here. We're, we're actually already a little bit over it, but I, I think it's a really interesting point you made about the, the JUCO defensive backs because if I'm Tennessee, that is, I would definitely be looking at some JUCO defensive backs because, you know, Warren Burrell could come back next season. He, he could be a super senior. I imagine he might come back. You know, Kamal Haddon comes back. But you lose um, Kenneth George Jr. for sure, and you probably lose Elante Taylor. I imagine the way he's playing, you know, being the senior bowl, I imagine he's not going to take – another season at Tennessee and and you know you you they've got some young guys they like there for the future Deshaun Rucker some other guys but man a couple of Juco old heads would would make a lot of sense in that group for me even if Flowers and Burrell and those guys come back yeah and I and certainly I think you know again the additions of Brandon Turnage and Kamal Haddon takes away from the need there a little bit because you do add some guys with uh this year with multiple years of eligibility left so those guys will be back and that improves the numbers there but they were so thin going into this year that I think you still need a lot more help there and as you said some seniors in that group that you know could test the waters if they wanted to but either way you you've at least got a, a serious need uh going into yeah, next I, I, year I think Elante's gone I think he'll I mean I, he's, I he's so gonna too. be in the senior ball I think he's gone I think so too and, and that's probably the one I think the others likely will be back but we'll see but either, either way you need some help there and and yeah I think there's a good chance they sign at least one junior college defensive back a, a couple other guys they visited uh, were among their kind of their top targets in the JUCO ranks. Uh, Marquise Gilbert, uh, a safety from uh, Hutchinson Community College out in Kansas. Uh, he's he's planning to take an official visit to Tennessee this month. And then Keontae Scott, a cornerback uh, out at Snow College in Utah. So again, places that are hard to get to other times. They took advantage of the chance during the open date to go see some of those guys. Um, so those are a couple and, and both expected to visit Tennessee this month. So certainly I think you're going to see more activity uh, out of those junior college visits coming up over the next month or so as Tennessee gets a little more serious with some of those guys. But definitely in the secondary, again, possibly on the defensive line, but definitely in the secondary, I think you're looking at Tennessee probably say, taking at least one guy from the junior college ranks. Yeah, makes sense to me. I mean, I, I think that – also, somebody somebody went to Snow College. I'm trying to remember who it was, but uh, some some I think there's some prominent – uh, NFL guys, maybe went to there. Or at least one guy went there. I don't know. Just off the top of my head, uh, that that name rang that that name rang out to me as something that wait, where have I heard that before? So I'm gonna go look that up here in just a little bit when I get done with this. So that's not gonna help you yeah. as you're listening to this podcast, but <laughs> you tend to hear all these junior colleges all the time. It's it, it tends to be the same ten or fifteen programs that produce the vast majority of the uh, of the successful guys. Sometimes some random ones, but 
you know, Georgia military, Hutchinson, independence. It's, it's a lot of the same schools that you see over the years. <laughs> now I remember why Josh Heupel spent some time at snow college. That's yeah. Why, yeah. Absolutely. There you go. There you go. That's, I was trying to remember somebody, why do I know that? And it's familiar. It's, I, I remember writing it recently. Yes. Josh Heupel. He spent some time there. He spent a year there playing. That is yep. why that makes all the sense in the world. Ryan, we are way over on time. So unless you got anything super important to add, I think, I think we're good unless you, unless you got something. No, I think it's a good place to leave it. Awesome, man. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Wes. And thank you all for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Thanks to Ryan for joining us, and also thanks to you all for listening. We always say it, but we always mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news on your Twitter feed, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where you get tons of stuff there throughout the day, all day, every day. But, but nothing compares to where you can go, the best place on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of all things Tennessee athletics. That is to govals247.com directly from the source, that delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water just right from the tap. Go get it right there. Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting. And this is crossover season, so tons of stuff there. Tennessee baseball, those guys wrapping up fall ball. Tons of good stuff with Tony Vitello and his program always. Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius, who does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us. Tons of stuff from Lady Vols Media Day last week. All of that, plus two forums that run around the clock, so you got... 20, you got what, a couple dozen fresh content items most most days. You also got the best database in, in all uh, of college sports, the best recruiting database by far in all of college sports. All of that plus two forums that run around the clock where you can talk anything that you want political, as long as it's not political or religious in nature. Any time of day, go to the checkerboard and the summit. Tons of stuff on both of those boards. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That's all that it costs. And this is a great time to try the seven-day free trial, free trial too, guys, because we got basketball season coming up. We got football, football recruiting with us with with the early signing period opening up. Tons and tons of stuff. Great time to check out that seven-day free trial right now. And if you do that, and if you hang around, then you get for free access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. That's a one hundred plus dollar annual value that we will put in your pocket for free, for free. And that's every show CBS has ever made commercial-free, a growing and impressive list of uh, Paramount Plus exclusive shows, a bunch of Paramount Plus exclusive movies that are having some big-time A-list blockbuster-type actors in some of these. Big, big stuff. Mary Kingstown looks like a great show. Tons and tons. Star Trek, Picard, Evil, all of that. All of that. Plus, everything CBS has ever done commercial-free. Plus... You get stuff from the catalogs of MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Smithsonian, and Nickelodeon, plus live sports. You get SEC sports, so you obviously get the Vols, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, World Cup qualifiers, NCAA basketball tournament, March Madness. All of that, that's a $100 plus annual value that millions of people have, and we can give it to you for free. If you pay us what is less than one mediocre lunch per month for a great product. So that's like $500 worth of stuff easily that we're giving you for like 100 bucks a year. So go do that. If nothing else, if there's no big breaking news, you should hear from us on Thursday. So until then, uh, be good. Be good to each other. Show a little empathy out there in the world. There's not enough empathy in the world. Let's just, let's just try that. Be nice to each other. Be back Thursday. See you I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.